Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. seated. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, the ushers to come forward. We're going to continue to worship God by taking up our tithes and offerings. If you're just visiting, uh, please do not feel obligated to give. Let this be our gift to you. Uh, God, we thank you so much for just everything that you give to us, all the blessings that you pour out on us, and most importantly, the best thing that you've ever given to us, your son Jesus Christ whose birth we celebrate in a few days. And we pray that this morning, as we lift up our voices, as we open your word, as we engage in experiencing you, that we would celebrate and rejoice in his birth today, right now, this morning. We praise you and thank you for all that you give to us. Pray that you would bless us as we give, as we share, as we lift our voices. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 While they are taking up the offering, I just want to share... Uh, a quick verse with you quickly uh, that's going to kind of set the tone for where we're going this morning. Um, and it's from the book of Luke. And in chapter 1, this is what Luke records. Luke was the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And many first century, second century, 18th century, 19th century historians also credit him because so much of what he wrote was historically accurate. Uh, and he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. So he is basically telling us, he's telling uh, the person who he write, wrote this to, a man named Theophilus, that the account, not just the life of Christ, but including the birth of Christ, it's not just a story as many believe, it's a historical account. And he says that it was a fulfillment. He says it was fulfilled among us. It was a fulfillment of Scripture. And it's, he says it was handed down by people who were eyewitnesses. And a lot of people are critical of this, but uh, he wrote this within 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ. And it would be the equivalent of us. How many people remember the 80s? Okay. Well, all of us remember, but some of you are young that you were like, I was a baby, there were diapers, that's it. How many people remember MTV or know what MTV is? How many people remember when it was actually music TV? Like all the time, all music. And there's, there's a group of people now who are coming up and be like, why is it called MTV? What does the M stand for? Because there's no music, it's all reality stuff. But if you talk to people from the 80s, which are not hard to find, they're still around, they can tell you, hey, this is what it was. Same was true. Luke talked to people who were around during the life of Jesus. And he says, this account that I'm going to give you is from eyewitnesses. And then he goes on and he says that uh, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. He says, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the things that I am writing are accurate and they're true. And then he offers to him the same thing he offers to us, which we're going to look into, to experience the joy 
of the first Noel. That word Noel just means birth, and it's used to refer to the birth of Christ. And that's what we're going to do this morning is just dig into it, unpack it, and enjoy it. So again, if you feel led to stand, stand. If you feel led to stay seated, stay seated. But we're going to just jump into another song. And as we do, if you're not already there, because I know some people are not in the Christmas spirit yet, uh, just let God speak to your heart about the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. You may be seated. We're going to jump into uh, some actual scripture, uh, not up on the screen. So if you have a Bible, pull it out. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat to the left of you, to the right of you somewhere, or if you have using. And if you don't have an app or you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll have someone bring one to you. Uh, the Gospel of Luke is the second book in the New Testament, or excuse me, third, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And turn to Luke chapter 2. And we already read a little bit on screen about from Luke chapter 1. But in Luke chapter 2, many of the Bibles have a title that say the birth of Jesus. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, here's what we read. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. <coughs> Excuse me. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now, actually, even though Luke was a historian, this is one of the things that people think he may not have gotten quite right. Because although uh, Quirinius was governing, he was an administrator at this time. He didn't actually become governor until a few years later where he issued a second census uh, for taxation. And Luke records that in the book of Acts. But in chapter, I mean, verse 4, it says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fact that if you look in the book of Matthew, it records the lineage of Jesus Christ, and it takes it back to Abraham and shows that he is a descendant of David uh, through the line of Joseph. Uh, but if you look in Luke chapter 3, it shows he is a descendant of David through the line of Mary. And Luke takes it all the way back. His lineage traces it back to Adam. Verse 5 says, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And I know some people say that, you know, there's, there's this argument of whether or not she had other children. Uh, but all of the scriptures in every translation say that either it was her first child or her firstborn child. She wrapped them in cloth, placed them in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And that's another, I guess, thing that people are, are kind of torn about because they don't believe that Jesus was born in a, a manger. They don't believe he was born in an inn. And it, there is some misunderstanding about the interpretation of those words. If you look at the word manger, it literally means a stall or a feeding trough. And everywhere it's used in the New Testament, even when Jesus talks about it, he refers to it as a stall. And if you've ever been to like South Park or Round Hill where they have the animals uh, and they have these stalls that they go into. And in some of them, there is a feeding trough for them to feed. But depending upon the animal, 
they just throw the food into that stall. That's where they feed from. So uh, it could be either an actual feeding trough, like many people picture it, or it could be the stall where the animal fed from. But the word in, uh, it means a guest room or a foyer or a general place to lodge in a home. And in the, uh, the Jewish culture, the most honored people were the guests. Like it was an honor to have guests in your home. And if a guest showed up in your home, they got your most honored seat at the table. They got the place of honor. They got the food of honor. They got the, like the biggest cut of steak. All of those things because they were honored. So many people, when they built their homes, they had a guest room for guests. Like many of you, you have like a spare room for guests to stay in when they come to visit. Or an air mattress, whatever works for them to sleep on. Uh, but it was either the guest room or if you think of a hotel, in a hotel, if it was an inn where there were places where most people stayed, uh, when you go to check in at a hotel, there's a lobby area or a foyer where everyone kind of waits with their luggage and with their bags. And people debate over whether or not, you know, this was actually an inn or whether it was someone's home. It was most likely somebody's home where they were staying as a guest. And if you look, and I'm going to put that verse up on screen, same verse we just read, in the complete Jewish Bible version, which takes the, the, this is written in Greek, and interprets it the way the Jewish mindset would have interpreted, uh, what they read it as is, and she, Mary, gave birth to a, her, her first child, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him down in a feeding trough because there was no space for them in the living quarters. So imagine a, a huge census or, or taxation issue where everyone's got to go back to their hometown. Uh, all the hotels are booked. Or imagine, you know, if the Olympics had come here to Pittsburgh, all the hotels are booked. Or imagine, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl being played here and the Steelers are in it. All the hotels are booked. There's nowhere to stay. And granted, we probably wouldn't open up our homes, but we might Airbnb it, make a little extra money, whatever. But there's this place where everyone's looking for someone to st somewhere to stay. And, and, and the reason, I think, my opinion, why Luke included this passage is so that we wouldn't think of Jesus as someone who's above us, but we would look to him as someone who is like us. Because there's a whole lot of people that think, you know, my life doesn't matter, my birth doesn't matter, my issues don't matter. And when you read this passage, you look at the birth of Jesus Christ, you wonder, is that how Mary felt? That she had to go into, think about going into a garage or to a huge area if we had horses where you keep your horses, and that's where she had to give birth. And when Jesus was born, it wasn't so that we would look and say, he is so far above us, but so that we could look and say, hey, he is just like us. And because he's just like us, then we can imagine him being born for us. And as we sing this next song, think about whatever trial or difficulties or struggles that you may be going through, especially now during the Christmas season. And we often think, how can God even imagine my, my trials, my struggles, my issues? But what God wants us to think is, how can I not? Because my son was born just like you. And he went through everything that you went through. But yet I sent him for you.
I do want to say this next passage of Scripture we're going to look at is uh, a little difficult for some people to take because the next passage really just focuses on the celebration of Christmas. Luke records the first celebration of Christmas where angels come down and they're rejoicing. And a lot of people have a little bit of difficulty with that, which I'm not sure I understand why. I do get that there are some people who are dealing with loss of family, so Christmas is hard for them, and a, and a painful reminder. Uh, there are some people that are dealing with um, the lack of family. We just don't have any family around, and so it's hard, and it can be lonely. Um, there are some people who are just separated from their family, uh, like our soldiers, first responders. Can we actually stop for a minute and just pray for the soldiers? Because uh, I know we've been doing it, but uh, there are a lot of soldiers, and being a veteran, it's hard when you're not just hundreds sometimes, a world away from everything you know in a culture that may not acknowledge your beliefs and, and your way of celebrating Christmas, and it's really rough. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up all of our soldiers and uh, just their struggles and their commitment to our safety um, during this holiday season. We know many, many, many of them are going to be separated from their families, and we, we pray that uh, you would just give them such a spirit of peace wherever they are. We pray for and lift up our first responders, the, the, the firemen and the policemen and the ambulance drivers and paramedics who, uh, during a Christmas celebration or the New Year's celebration, may get called away from their family, not just to work, but to put their life at risk for the sake of others, and we pray that you would be with them and keep them safe and keep their families safe, and we pray that no matter where they are, what country they're in, if they're out uh, uh, serving you in some capacity, in a first responder capacity, that you would keep them safe and that they would experience the joy of Christmas and acknowledge that even though they may be without family or separated from family, that you offer each and every one of us the opportunity to become a part of your family, so that we are filled with your spirit, that we will never be alone, and that as your word says, that you will never leave us or forsake us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, amen, amen. Uh, now, uh, there are the people who are dealing with the hardships, and I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but uh, there's a thing called a blue Christmas. Anyone heard of that before? It, it's basically a Christmas celebration where uh, it's for the people who are dealing with loss and hurt or whatever during Christmas time. And it's basically saying, hey, rather than have this joyous celebration, we're going to tone it down. Just make everything calm and mellow and acknowledge your pain and what you're going through. And I've been in that place before because when I was in the military, there was one Christmas where uh, don't remember all the details. I know I was broke. I know I, I, I was a single parent. And I, I was just, like, hating on Christmas because uh, I think I only had a day or two off or whatever. And I got a call from my sister. She's like, hey, so what are you doing for Christmas because you have to work? And I was like, nothing. I'm just here. Me and my son, we're going to be, you know, by ourselves. And she was like, we're not having that. Uh, so she paid uh, to bring me and my son up, got gifts, the dinner, the whole nine. And basically her thing was, hey, I can't remove you from that place of pain and loneliness that you're in but I can create an environment 
where you hopefully will acknowledge that this is a joyous time despite the pain and the loneliness that you're feeling. And she has, uh, because of that, just uh, from that time on, saw Christmas in a whole new way as more than just, you know, we do the gifts and yes, we're supposed to do the birth of Christ, but it's all about, you know, if you're alone or, you know, you're not having a big meal. And even now, because Christina, I don't have family in this area, so when we leave to go see family, you know, they do, you know, a big meal. But when she and I stay here for Christmas, and I'm like, what big meal are we doing? She's like, um, nothing big, not, not on her radar. And I'm looking for a table covered with food. But I've moved past that to say, hey, as long as we're, you know, hanging out and spending time together, that's what Christmas is. Despite the feelings of loneliness, despite the struggles, despite the experiences that we go through, Christmas is a time to celebrate, not because we're no longer in that situation, but because we're now part of a family because of the birth of Christ, that that situation no longer defines us. And the scripture that we're going to look at, go back to Luke chapter 2. And in verse 8, this is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And granted, I don't read this as eloquently as Linus, but bear with me. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And this, this is important because an angel shows up. You're walking down the street doing your job, you and your friends. An angel shows up. And it's not that the glory of the Lord appeared around the angel. The glory of the Lord appeared around the shepherds. So an angel shows up, and you're like, what the heck? And in God's glory, you're suddenly immersed in it. You're immersed in the glory of God. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because they were terrified. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people this is the part that a lot of people don't, don't get. Because if you think about it, and this ties in with us, not every Christmas, but this Christmas, we're in the midst of a government shutdown. No matter which side of the, you know, who's right or wrong, there are people who aren't going to get paid. Financial hardship. There are people who are hating on the government. There are people that are, are, are on either side of that argument. And at that particular time, as we read, uh, they were, uh, Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem for a census so they could be taxed. Basically, the government said, hey, Larry, I need you to bring all your kids home, all of them, so that we can figure out how to tax you more. So there was no joy among the shepherds. And the shepherds, even though they lived in a culture where because they were shepherds and because it was, you know, in Israel, there was this religious culture, so they sacrificed animals and forgiveness of sins, so that was huge. But even though they sacrificed animals and they were the ones who took care of the animals, the shepherds were the least paid and the least respected in that culture. And not only that, they're working the night shift. Anyone worked the night shift? Ever had to? Yeah. I don't know any other way to say it. It sucks. I did it for years. It's not fun. So there was no joy in their lives as they're thinking, man, we got to pay more tax. We are the least paid in the culture, least respected. We're going to get taxed more. And an angel shows up and says, hey, I want to talk to you about joy. Not just for you, but for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, 
and he is Christ the Lord. And one of the reasons we've been talking about this word Christ is because basically what he's saying is, hey, there's a new king. That word Christ means anointed one. And for that particular culture, the anointed one was the one who was anointed to be king. So they're thinking, hey, you know what? It sucks. We're working a night shift. We're not even making minimum wage. We've got to take care of the animals. We're outside. We're away from our families. We're going to get taxed. We already don't have enough money. And an angel comes and says, hey, there's going to be a new king. Rejoice in that. A new king means a new culture. A new king means you're no longer under the existing government. A new king means that all things will be made new in this kingdom. And you should rejoice in that. And he says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, a couple of things. If you imagine, because in our heads we think that you're walking along the shepherds, and then you're, you know, dealing with this tax issue, and then a few angels show up. But that word, where it says, some versions say multiple angels, some say a host of the company, it's a word that means a plethora, literally means a number too large to count. Like it would take you long to go one, two, three, four, like we can count the people in this room, that'd be quick. But if you counted the angels that showed up to rejoice at the birth of Christ, you wouldn't be able to count them. And I know there are some people that, that for whatever reason, they say, we, if you're a Christ follower, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas. You know, it's, it's, it's not in the Bible. But if you think about it, we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, and we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no way that a plethora of angels show up to rejoice at the birth of Christ and God didn't know about it because his will is done in heaven. So if it's God's will that the angels show up and rejoice at the birth of his son in heaven, we want God's will to be done on earth, then we should rejoice at the birth of his son. God, I pray that we would acknowledge and rejoice and celebrate at the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Not just this morning, not just today, but every day acknowledge what we have, the salvation we have because of his birth. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you guys can be seated. I know you guys feel like you're getting all your cardio in this morning. That's good. So I'm gonna, we're going to wind down. Uh, and wind up with this last few passages, uh, verses of Scripture. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I get amongst, amongst all the presents and giving and all the shopping, and don't raise your hand, but many of us still have a lot of shopping to do because we're not done. And, and getting stuff ready and getting guest rooms ready for visitors or packing to go visit family amongst all of that, I pray that we take the time to actually investigate and to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Because that's what, that's what these guys did. They said, let's go see if this thing is true. 
Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, and they were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And there are people in our cultures of influence, people in, maybe we won't see them at school because of the holiday break or at work, but people in our neighborhoods, people in our communities, people we bump into at the library, the same cashier that we see at the grocery store, the same waitress at our favorite restaurant, that we should do what the shepherds did and go and tell them about the amazing birth of Christ that makes this kingdom of God available to all of humanity. So despite whatever issues they're going through, whatever loneliness they're feeling, whatever hardships, that they know that there is a God who loved them enough and cared about them enough to send his son to be born for us who would eventually die for us and pay the penalty for our sin so that there was absolutely nothing that separated us from God. This last song, I'm going to ask you guys to sing, but I'm going to ask you guys to just remain seated as we sing it and to really let God speak to your heart. to come forward and we're going to partake of communion because although we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ we also need to celebrate what his birth made possible for us and during his last supper with the disciples he told them when he partook of the bread and of the wine that the bread was his body broken for them and the wine was his blood shed for them and he was basically letting them know that because of his sacrifice on the cross, because uh, his body was the sacrifice for all sin, that there was now nothing that separated God from man or man from God. That we didn't need to go to a priest to get forgiveness, that we didn't need to go and, and sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of sin, that we just needed to acknowledge not just what was done by his birth, but what was accomplished by his death and his resurrection. And that's the forgiveness of sin for all humanity. So I'm going to ask if you could hand me the bread. And God, we pray that as we partake of the bread and of the wine and these communion elements, that we would acknowledge, yes, we are celebrating your birth. We are rejoicing because you stepped into time to pay the penalty for man for all time. But we are also rejoicing because we get to experience what was made possible by your death. The unimaginable, unseparable love of God available to us. And we give thanks to you for your sacrifice. We give thanks to you for the birth of your son. 
and give praise to you for your love and mercy that you poured out on us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So as God speaks to your heart or as you feel led, come and partake of the communion elements. And I do need to add, and I know this might be a weird time to add it, but yes, we're going to partake in communion, but after that, you're all welcome to partake in a meal that Bonnie has prepared of. All I heard was ribs. I know there's a lot more food, but all I heard was ribs. So you're welcome to stay, everyone, and, and partake in that. Uh, but maybe if you're not in that place of, like, I don't know if I want to come forward to communion, maybe this is a time to do some business with God. and Just spend some time in prayer and just let God speak to your heart. Or maybe this is a time where you say, you know what, God, I need to really get serious about a relationship with you. And I, I, I accept and believe the historical account, not the story, the historical accurate account of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And if we believe what Luke wrote about his birth, we have to acknowledge what Luke wrote about his death. That he died and was buried and was resurrected on the third day so that our sins might be forgiven. So as God leads you, then come and partake of communion. I'm actually going to ask you to stand again. <laughs> and we're going to close out by singing uh, Silent Night, even though it is uh, going on noon. And again, I pray that this has been just a time where whether with your voice or with your heart, you were able to rejoice and to celebrate at the birth of Jesus Christ. Sleep in heavenly God, we are so grateful that of all the things that you could have done to save humanity, your choice, your gift, was the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And because of that gift, we have a greater way to experience your love and to love one another. And we pray that we celebrate and rejoice in that gift, this gift. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Amen.